This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. So today I want to talk to you just simply about an idea of dream big. Dream big. In your Bible reading several weeks back, you read through Genesis. I hope you've been keeping up with that. Uh, I do hope so. If you need some information or some direction on that, if you're struggling, uh, don't get lost. Don't get lost on your own. Uh, we're a team. We're a family. Let's talk about it. If it's too much, let's break it down. Let's figure out something. Don't, don't get lost. Don't stop. If you get behind, don't just quit. Uh, you can keep up. So please be mindful of that. I want to help you. Uh, we want to help you. We've got brothers and sisters around us that we need each other, right? We've got to figure out at the beginning of the year, I believe for most of us, we at least have to have a goal. I'm very task-oriented, very type-A personality. Life is falling apart if I'm not checking off goals on a checklist. It's a struggle, okay? The struggle is very much so real. And so this whole idea, whenever we were reading through Genesis several weeks ago, I made one little note in my Bible, and I knew that out of that one note, this sermon series would be birthed. And I'll tell you what that note was in a few minutes because I'm not going to jump ahead We know the story of Joseph probably fairly well. Joseph's story takes up a a pretty major part of Genesis from chapter 37 through on into like uh, 50-something, I believe. Um, A huge part of Genesis is revolving around Joseph's story. Joseph is the son of Jacob, who would later be named Israel, who had 12 sons, which we know as the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, Joseph was fairly important. And before we jump in to dream big, I want to give you one passage of scripture and then I'm going to jump to one more passage of scripture and we're going to walk through this. The prophet Joel said, sorry, I didn't give you time to get there. Joel chapter two, verses 28 and 29 says, and that shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men, shall, young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. So before we walk through this journey of dream big, I need us to get the understanding and the comprehension that the dreams that I'm talking about today are spirit-given, spirit-filled, and spirit-enabled dreams. Joel said, he's speaking the word of the Lord, in those days, in that last day, after that, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. What's the result? What's the outcome of that? Well, the the young people are going to prophesy. The old men are going to dream dreams. The young men are going to see visions. They're a result of a Holy Spirit outpouring, okay? I'm not talking about some random dream. I'm not talking about some random nightmare. I'm talking about a spirit-given, spirit-filled, and spirit-enabled dream. Joel's laid the foundation. And then we get to Genesis chapter 37. 
And I'm going to begin reading in verse 2, and we'll walk through verse 11. This is kind of where the story picks up and begins for us. Genesis chapter 37, verses 2 through 11. It says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old. If you write in your Bible, you should underline that. 17 years old was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of um, Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, who remember is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved, them more, loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak to him peacefully. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, hear this dream I've dreamed, and behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. We've got five truths I want to give you about the dream. Joseph is just a young 17-year-old boy. He's the baby brother that's not liked because the baby brother typically gets away with everything. The older sibling said, amen. <laughs> Come on, right? Y'all ain't no older siblings? The younger sibling typically gets away with it. So the, the younger baby brother is already not liked, but he is the, such the favorite of the father. That he's been not just, not just wrapped around, hey son, I'm so proud of you, but let me make this special coat for you that is the brilliance of a rainbow that everybody knows you're my favorite. And then Joseph has this dream, 17 years old. He has a dream, and it's weird. Maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense to you, but they're out working in the field, and they get the sheep, and I just kind of picture this kind of like veggie tails, where it's a bundle of wheat, if you will, and, and his bundle of wheat stands up, and the under other bundles of wheat bow down, and he tells his brothers, that's just the way that I have to picture this, because it's weird, right? What does bundle, what does sheafs have to do with anything whatsoever uh, to do with anything? That's the dream which could lead us to say the dreams don't always make a lot of sense. But he, he has this random dream, this agriculture dream, and they hate him. First truth for you is dreams bring out the haters. Dreams bring out the haters. They already hated him. They already did not like him because he's the favorite. 
Do you know that whenever you become a child of God, when you are adopted into the family, you instantly become God's favorite? I'm his favorite too, so don't let your head get too big. But you instantly become the favorite, the masterpiece, the chosen creation. And when you're the favorite, there's some problems that kind of come with that. Older siblings realize there's a little bit uh, of dissension. There's a little bit of, of this distance that begins to come sometimes because the favorite is not necessarily the favorite to the ones that are not the favorite, right? And automatically, just because he's daddy's favorite, just because he's his father's favorite, they already don't like him, but now he's had a dream. And the dream now puts him at this place. We have no clue. Stay with me. Pretend like you don't know the end of the story. In chapter 37, it makes no sense that this agricultural dream means that these, these sheaves are bowing down. They're like, what sense does it even make? Joseph has no clue what will take place over the next 13 years of his life. In his mind, he had a dream. He stood up tall. Everybody else bowed down to him. And now because of his dream, they hate him. When we have a dream, this spirit-filled, spirit-given, spirit-filled, spirit-enabled dream, there are going to be haters. There's going to be people that their minds aren't big enough and their capacity isn't large enough to accept the fact that what we might actually see in the spirit is possible in reality. There's going to be people that they can't keep up with us because they're not necessarily daddy's favorite. They are not necessarily to a place in their relationship with the father. Maybe they don't even have a relationship with the father. And so they don't have the capacity to actually stay with us and wrap their mind around the fact that the dream is not necessarily harmful. The reality of the fact is, if you do jump ahead to the end of the story, the haters were the ones that were blessed out of the dream. Right? But the fact is, the dream is going to bring out the haters. So the story goes on and... Uh, Israel, Jacob sends Joseph to the field to check on the brothers. I got a goal today that I'm not going to look at my notes. We'll see how it works. Sends him to look, check on the brothers. They show up to the brothers. They see him coming off in the distance. And remember, they hate him. The haters' goal is to kill the dream. Okay? Haters can't kill the dream. Haters can't kill the dream. Why? Because it's a spirit-given, spirit-filled Spirit-enabled dream. No hater can kill what the Spirit has birthed. You with me? I've already preached this to myself, just so you know. So I've already amen myself, even if you don't amen with me. So they make up this plan. They see him coming off in the distance, and they're like, hey, got a great idea. I don't like this guy anymore. He's the favorite. Let's teach him a lesson. Let's kill the dream. Let's, there, there's a pit. There's no water in it. Let's take him. Let's throw him in it. We'll leave him to die. We'll take his cup. We're going to rip it to shreds and we're going to take goat's blood, some animal blood. We're going to rub it all on it. And then we're going to take it back to daddy and say, here, daddy, your poor favorite son's dead. Now you got to pick a new favorite. Here's my note that was written in my Bible. The pit can't kill the dream. Dreams don't die in the pit. Haters threw him in the pit. Haters put him in a dark, deep hole, a place that looked like it was hopeless, a place that he had to have thought, I'm going to die in the pit. It had to have been, they, they've stripped him. They've stripped him of his favoritism. The coat, they took his coat, they've ripped it. They've actually tried to sever the physical relationship between him and the father. They can't. It's spiritual. And so now he's in the pit. But dreams don't die in the pit. Dreams can't die in the pit because they're spirit-given, spirit-filled, and spirit-enabled dreams. 
And I wonder how many times we find ourselves in a pit. Sometimes you just want to say, I'm down in the pits. It's a pretty sure sign you're in the pit. How many times are our emotions taking the best of us? How many times it's like, man, I wasn't even doing anything wrong. All he was doing was going to help the brothers, right? He was showing up to check on them, to help them. And they didn't have the guts to kill him in person, so they were going to leave him in a pit and let him die. Haters tend to do that. They don't have the guts to confront and kill in person, so they put in a pit and say, I'm going to let you die in the pit. But the haters couldn't kill the dream because... Dreams don't die in the pit. Thank you, baby. And so this caravan of people come along, and you got to stay with me because there's a lot of ground to cover. And so I'm sorry, I'm not walking verse by verse. I'm trying to tell you the story. Caravan of people come along, and they're like, well, we won't kill him. Let's actually make some money off of him. There's always going to be people that want to make money off your dream. They want to make money off of him. So they say, well, we won't let him die there. We'll sell him. We'll, we'll make him now a slave. He was their brother. Their brother. And now they're going to take their own flesh and blood. And they're going to sell him into slavery. And they're going to bind him. And they're going to put him. And they're going to send him off thinking, I'll never see him again. We, as Christians, have a real problem trying to put our brothers in a pit. And when that's not enough, we put our brothers and we bind them together and try to cripple their hands and make it so they can't, that they have to leave us and get out of my sight. I want nothing to do with you. Your dream is horrible. You need to leave. They bind him. So the story goes on. The caravan makes it to Egypt and he's sold to work in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is an officer of the royalty. And he's, he's working, he, he's serving somehow. We know how, it's because it's a spirit-given dream, a spirit-enabled dream, and a spirit-filled dream, right? We know how this takes place. But he makes his way to this place of royalty, and he's there working in Potiphar's house, and then all of a sudden, there's this woman. Leave it to a woman to try to be the fall of a good man. Just saying, not the godly, upright women we have in the house, I'm just being real. Every man can say amen because you know I'm telling you the truth. If there's ever anything in your life that's going to destroy you, somehow, some way, shape, or form, it's going to be a woman or the attraction to a woman. It's the weakness. And so now he's placed in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife has taken a liking to him because he's this young, awesome, dark, tall, dark, and handsome young man serving and doing what he's supposed to do. And she approaches him, hey, come, and come to the bedroom. Come hang out with me for just a little while. He said, woman, your husband's given me reign over everything in this house except for you. I'm not about to defile him or God by sleeping with you. But dreams overcome temptation. Did I get it right? Ha! Dreams must overcome temptation. Dreams have to overcome temptation. She tries to pull him into the bedroom and he takes off running the other way. First mistake was, gentlemen, is he was in the house working with her alone. Horrible idea. 
He had no intentions whatsoever. He was 100% pure of heart, mind, and actions, yet it still cost him everything there in a season. We have to guard our integrity. We've got to be very intentional to protect what's ours and to protect the word and the honesty and the integrity that we actually have. First mistake was he was in the house working with her alone. Read it. It says when nobody else was in the house, he was there serving. And she tried to pull him in, come lie with me. He said, you're crazy. I'm out of here and takes off running. Well, she grabs enough of his outer garment to take to create a lie. He's running from temptation. We have to give him credit. Dreamers must overcome temptation. We have to. If the dreamer doesn't overcome temptation, the dream is going to be affected because if it's a spirit-given, a spirit-filled, and a spirit-enabled dream, by the way, that is nowhere in my notes. That is just like, Holy Spirit dropped this morning. If it's a spirit-given dream, the enemy can actually attempt to overtake it and battle it and cause us to put out the dream. Haters can't do it. They're not going to die in the pit. But if the dreamer doesn't overcome temptation, Satan's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your dream. The only one that can actually kill it is you. But if he can get you in temptation and cause the temptation to give birth to sin and sin to conceive to death, he's killed the dream. Dreamers have to overcome temptation. So Joseph takes off running, but that's not enough because old good old Potiphar shows up back at home and she said, let me tell you what that sorry joker Joseph did. Liar. He tried to sleep with me. He come into my bedroom. And I, I kept his coat. I'm just, look at it. He was here. He was right here. You're bad, Potiphar, is where he was at. Now I might be ad-libbing a little bit. Stay with me. It's my story, right? Told you, I wasn't looking at my notes. It's there, though. This whole concept is what took place. She lied. She lied. And so then, the dream lands in prison. I don't really remember how this point's worded, but it's got something to do with the prison. Put it up there, Carter. The prison's part of the process. It wasn't something that he did that landed him in prison. It was actually what he didn't do. So we can't look at prison as part of a punishment. Remember, he was 17, a 17-year-old boy that had a dream. And he's now gone through a pit. The dream couldn't die in the pit. The haters come out to woodworks, which were his very blood and kin brothers. But now uh, they couldn't kill him off, so the pit couldn't kill him off. Now he's overcome the temptation, and now he's found himself in a prison. The prison, though, is part of the process. See, for me, the prison is a place where your potential is caged. The prison is a place where you have so much unction and so much to do and to go. And then all of a sudden you're put in, you didn't do nothing to deserve to be put in the prison. But you're there. You can't reach your potential anymore. Your talents and your giftings can't be pushed anymore because there's a ceiling on top of you. You're now in this little concrete cell and it's like, what is taking place around me? Why am I dealing with this? And before long, you've convinced yourself that you can't do anything anymore because you're stuck in a prison. But we forget that the prison's part of the process. Because in the prison, Joseph's cellmate is Mr. Cupbearer. Cupbearer that had been thrown in prison. 
cupbearer to the king now. We've outranked Potiphar and his sorry doggone wife. And now we've made it to Pharaoh. And the cupbearer was Joseph's cellmate. Cupbearer had a dream. It was actually the chief baker too, but he died. We ain't got to talk about him. Cupbearer has a dream. Joseph said, I can tell you what it means. He interprets the dream. I really think about it anymore. Joseph actually is lifted up to a place of authority within the prison. Yet he's still in a prison. Because the prison has to be part of the process. Mr. Cupbearer gets out of prison. And he's serving the king. Lots of time has gone by. The word says that the cupbearer actually forgot about Joseph. He was forgotten in the prison. That's a really bad place to be. To feel like you're stuck in a prison, your capacity and your potential is limited, and you're forgotten. You ever been there? You feel like no matter what you do, you can't break that ceiling. They call it a glass ceiling in the corporate world. You can't break it. You can't get out of it. Finally, Pharaoh, the king, has a dream. He said, I need somebody to interpret this dream. And Mr. Cupbearer is overhearing the conversation. He said, hey, I met a guy. I forgot all about him. But my cellmate over in Block D actually was able to interpret dreams. I bet, I bet he can do this for you. And Pharaoh's called in all the magicians. He's called in everybody he can get. Nobody can do this. And so he goes and he gets Joseph. And Joseph begins to interpret this dream to tell Pharaoh what's about to take place is we're going to have these years of, of prosperity, these years of good in the land, and then we're about to hit famine. You know why the, the, the prison is part of the process? Because the connection in prison is typically what takes you to the next place. Had he not ever been in prison, had he never stayed the night in prison, and it wasn't a night, it was a long duration, had he never been in the prison in the first place, he'd have never had an opportunity to go from the prison to the palace. You with me? The prison had to be part of the process. Because it was the prison that took him from that, even the prison was the gap, if you will, from the pit to the prison to the palace. If y'all were preachers, I'd be giving you so many sermons right now. Can't preach but one at a time, so they're yours. The prison's part of the process. And he makes it to the palace. And he's put over everything in the kingdom of Egypt. Your Bible says he's made to be the number two man in Egypt. Number two. He started at 17 years old with a dream that brought all these haters out to woodworks. And your word says at the age of 30. I'm still 30 for like four more days. It's actually longer than that. This is only, next week's the 14th. I got a little while. 
at the age of 30, he was put over everything in the kingdom. And so Carter already showed you that slide of the fifth point that the dream's bigger than you are. Go back with me 13 years earlier. They're hanging out, shepherding the flock. And he said, I had a dream last night. I dreamed I was this sheaf in the field. And your sheaves that you are, you bowed down and worshiped me. 13 years later, we've walked through slavery. We've walked through the possibility of dying in a pit. We've now gone through... uh, We've gone through somebody turning their back on us and putting us through this temptation. Now we've found ourselves in the prison and we've made best buddies with the cupbearer, which has now landed us in the palace. You talk about a journey. And Joseph's dream had nothing to do. Stay with me. The dream was, I read it to you. And he even got to the point he said that we were in the sky, the stars bowed down. That was the second dream. Egypt was nowhere in that dream. You agree? Nowhere. The fact that he would hold the keys to the, the literally the life, the food. Because as being number two man, it meant that he stored up all the grain. He stored up all the food. And when famine hit to get anything to eat, you couldn't swipe your debit card. You had to go through Joseph. His dream had nothing to do with that. The brothers were going to bow. The story goes, you know the story. It ended up that the brothers even had nothing to eat. So they show up to Egypt having no clue their brother's even alive. Remember, they sent him on that caravan and thought he was dead. But now they show up to whoever, who's this guy Pharaoh's put in charge? I don't know, but we got to go see him to get something to eat. They show up and Joseph covers his face. They say, sir, they bow down before him. We need something to eat. In that moment, dream becomes reality. But the dream is so much bigger than Joseph and is so much bigger than the brothers because everybody in Egypt and everybody through that surrounding land were able to eat and were able to stay alive and they were able to sustain because of Joseph's dream. Story has it because you like the fairy tale endings that the brothers ended up moving to Egypt Pharaoh gave them their own little corner and they lived happily ever after, at least until they become slaves and had to be taken out of Egypt in Exodus. The dream is bigger than you. Here's the cool part about all this. What's so crazy about this to me and where my personal struggle lies, can I just be real with you? My personal struggle is when you're in the pit, you really don't think, first of all, that the dream could ever come to pass because you don't actually realize that the Lord hasn't left you. When you're sold into slavery and you're put on this journey that makes no sense whatsoever and you leave everything you knew and you're you're taken off into this uncomfortable land, you have to wonder, have you been forsaken? Everybody that you knew, everybody that you love has forsaken you. And then when you find yourself in 
Potiphar's house and you make it to this place of authority and it's like how in the world did I get here well your word says that the Lord was with Joseph and everything he did was good and then he ends up in prison but I don't really get that because if everything I'm doing is good and the Lord is with me how do I land in prison well prison's part of the process because if I wasn't in prison, I'd have never met the cupbearer, which would have never got me to the king, which would have never got me over the kingdom. And through all of that, even in the prison, the Lord was with Joseph. The dreams bring out the haters. But thankfully, dreams don't die in the pit. We've got to overcome the temptation. The prison's part of the process because the dream is bigger than you. What's the dream? What's your dream? What's your dream for life? What's your goal? We're only in the first Sunday of month number two. There's about 200, and I haven't looked lately, some odd days left in this year. What's the dream? 2020 had a way of dampening dreams. But if there was a dream given, a spirit-given, spirit-filled, spirit-enabled dream, then the pit couldn't kill the dream. Right? So what's the dream? Because I believe that Joel prophesied the word of the Lord and he said, in the last day, my spirit will be poured out on all flesh. That leaves none of us to be exempt from that. Poured out his spirit on all flesh. That's you, that's me, that's everybody around us. Anybody that calls on the name of the Lord and is saved, he's gonna pour out his spirit on all flesh. And through that spirit pouring out, we then have dreams and visions and prophecies. So where are our dreams? Dream big. I struggle sometimes making my dreams too small. We've got to have dreams. We've got to have goals. We were taught in school, when I was in school at Campbell, attempting to get a business degree. You're to make your organizational goals attainable but hard to reach. They can't be impossible or you never reach them and then you destroy the morale of the organization. You with me? If you ever set a goal that's impossible to reach, you're going to feel like a failure because you've never reached the goal. But it's supposed to be hard to reach and a stretch to reach because it's in the stretching that we grow. It's in the stretching that we begin to form new muscle memory and form new habits. It's in the stretching that dreams become reality. So I don't know what your dream is today, but I think even before we 
as a body of believers can really come together and and really reveal the dream we as individuals have to have some drive for a dream what's your spirit given spirit enabled dream big enough that you can't accomplish on your own but so real that you can see it so vividly what's the dream today's whole thought the heart for everything was just to be a message of hope and encouragement you need a dream we've got to have goals we've got to have vision how do we get it well if spirit given spirit filled spirit enabled dreams are given by the spirit then we've got to be at a place where our life is consumed and we're resting in the spirit and when we're aligned through our reset when we're aligned and we've decided at the crossroads which road we're going to take and and our worship and our word and our meditation and our giving our studying of his word when we made those decisions and we're beginning to live in accordance to his will and we're beginning to live like he would have us to live and it's not our plan but it's his plan and it's not our way but it's his way that's when the dreams begin to flow We've got to align with the Father and be in line with the Holy Spirit. And then I believe his word for what it says, that in those days he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. And we're going to see visions and we're going to dream dreams. And they're going to be attainable and they're going to be a long journey. Thirteen years. In Joseph's mind, his dream only involved him and his family. Thirteen years later, he's number two man over Egypt. We've got to have dreams. Father, I thank you today for your word. God, for this time together. Lord, I thank you for dreams. I thank you for things that are being birthed by the Holy Spirit in our minds and, and in our mind's eye. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're beginning to birth new things in us and, and you're going to give us spirit-given dreams and they're going to be spirit-fueled dreams, Lord, and then they're going to be spirit-enabled dreams. Meaning, God, that we let some of our own flesh dreams go and we, we fall back and rely on the ones that can only come from you. And we recognize that this is a very long journey and it's not going to happen quick. And sometimes we're going we're to deal with haters. We're going to deal with people that want to crush the dream. Sometimes we're going to find ourselves in a pit, this dark hole where it don't look like there's any way out. And, and then sometimes we're going to find ourselves in the midst of temptation and we're going to make the right decisions because dreamers overcome the temptation. And we're going to recognize that there's days that the prison is part of the process. Every season of our life has a reason. And it's taken us to this place where our dream is bigger than ourself. Father, I pray today that you would birth dreams, that your spirit would be poured out on us. Lord, and through that, dreams and visions would be birthed. 
that we would see things for our individual lives. We would realize the purpose that you've got for us, Lord. We would see things that we're called and meant to do as individuals, Lord. And then we, we come together as one body at, with, with many parts and many members. With our own dreams, we come together as one body to unify, to make one dream for the house, to push that dream, that spirit-given, spirit-filled, spirit-enabled dream. Father, give us dreams today. Let us be encouraged. Let us not get discouraged in the pit because, Lord, as every step and every part of the journey that Joseph had, Lord, you were right there with him. You never left him, and you're not leaving us. Keep us, Lord. Let us maintain the path. Let us maintain the journey. Let us push through to bring dream to reality in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for your people today. Lord, I pray blessings on your people. I pray you bless us and keep us. Lord, let your face shine on us. Give us grace and peace in the name of Jesus. Bring us back again. In Jesus' name, amen.